Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hadley, and welcome to another edition of the Viewfinder Podcast. Living in a huge and complex place like New York City is hard to do by yourself, but the YouTube comedy series Garbage People shows how life in the Big Apple is more fascinating, if not necessarily easier, when you share the inevitable challenges of that life with a friend. Coming on the show today to talk about Garbage People are its co-stars and series creators, New York City area comedian Emily Duke and Matthew Scott. They play the show's two obnoxious yet charming chums, and they share a new series of realistic yet funny moments with viewers in season two. With all ten of its new episodes co-written by Duke and Scott, and directed by fellow stand-up comedian Matt Strickland, season two of Garbage People offers more bad dates, social awkwardness, big city misadventures, and overall weird happenings as experienced by two best friends whose personalities may be off-putting, but whose connection to each other is as strong as New York City itself. Inspired by the groundbreaking sitcom Will and Grace, plus the long-running British comedy classic Absolutely Fabulous, Garbage People puts forth outrageously bold humor while showing audiences realistic depictions of real-life gay-straight friendships and of the LGBTQ and plus-size communities. The show's first season was seen by over 15,000 viewers on YouTube, and its success was confirmed by its appearance at the 2016 New York City Webfest. Now on the Viewfinder podcast, hear Emily and Matthew talk about how Garbage People's mix of hysterical comedy and relatable characters has made their show a hit with audiences and critics alike. Without going into spoilers, what and who can viewers expect to see in season two of Garbage People. Yeah, so, I mean, season two is really, you know, an extension of the kinds of antics that you can expect to see from the Garbage People. Um, I would say a big focus for us in the second season was to dig a little bit deeper into the characters and their everyday struggles. Um, So confronting a little bit of the larger scale systemic issues that, you know, we're seeing on a large scale basis, but obviously keeping those, you know, very light and funny and, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping the tone consistent with season one. Yeah, keeping it funny. And I mean, I think season two was really about growth from like season one. When we did season one, we were around 24, 25. So with season two, you're also seeing these characters grow up a little bit which is nice. Yeah, like the same kind of jokes aren't necessarily going to fly and wouldn't fly in our everyday (laughs) lives, right? So like blackout drinking is hilarious and wonderful in whatever way it needs to be, but it's not as big of a part of our lives as it was when we were 24. Um, So season two is going to be much more about, you know, our lives and our focuses Mm -hmm. and our development and evolution. I think, you know, on top of, giving a little bit more credit to some of the systemic issues that we see around us, specifically facing, you know, LGBTQ Mm -hmm. plus and and fat communities. Um, It does also dig a bit deeper into, you know, the importance of our relationship and our friendship and um, our, what makes our friendship unique in, you know, media representations of these kinds of relationships. In what ways have your own, friendship and maybe things that you experienced in real life inspired, influenced, and quite probably mirrored 
the comedic situations, humor, and characters that you came up with for Garbage People. And yeah, so every episode we've done is sort of inspired by at least like one moment. Um, it's obviously exaggerated for the web series, sometimes. but sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's exaggerated. I mean, a lot of times it really is true to life. Um, so most recently for season two, the first episode, that was all inspired by a real experience we had dining out here in New York in the West Village, where we felt like we were like placed in steerage at this tiny little table. And we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, this is so unfair. Like if there's one place that like a fat person should feel safe, it's around chicken. Yeah, um, exactly. There should be like a lobbying group. Yeah, so obviously we didn't actually create a lobbying group, group but uh, so that's why we get to have the web series and like the breakup episode in season two you know we did both break up with toxic friends you know mm-hmm. the characters that we invented for that episode are not you know exact mirrors of the friends that we broke up with in real life but it is true that you know we both made decisions that certain people were toxic and had yeah. the very awkward conversation of <laughs> I don't want to be friends with you anymore so something we were talking about we were like there's all these like rules and like you kind of have these steps for like breaking up with someone that you're involved with romantically or that you're married to but when it comes to like breaking up with a friend it's way more ambiguous yeah and it's something um, and it's we should really all weird. be doing on a very regular basis yeah you need to reevaluate a lot all of your relationships that you have friends the bodega guy down the street um your delivery guy who's maybe like gotten a little bit too attached and you've been too attached to him. Yeah. So your favorite ramen restaurant. Yeah. So with season two, we're just sort of excited to explore all of those relationships and our own, because I think since season one till now, a lot has changed for us too, just in our personal lives. Like Emily got married. That's like something new that we're going to explore in season two. That wasn't in season one and sort of what that means for the dynamic of our friendship. And how Which is, is, spoiler alert, it doesn't it change doesn't at change. all. <laughs> <laughs> and how is um, making this show help you to grow closer as friends? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> now we're gonna cry. Um, I mean, we're transitioning from friends to creative partners has been very seamless. Um, we did work together in college. We Mm -hmm. had a, uh, we were asked by the editor of the college newspaper to write a (laughs) column called Drunkest Girls at the Party, um, which, so we have some experience working together. Um, this is obviously a much bigger undertaking and, you know, I think there are little quirks in our personalities that we need to adjust for. Like I'm hyper-organized, and also quite a, I'll say, nudge. Is that a good word? That's a good word. A good word is a nudge. Yeah, I'm a bit of a nudge. (laughs) Um, So, like, I always want things to move quickly. I always want things to keep going. And, like, Maddie has a full-time job, and I need to respect that. Um, You know, like, we have our little quirk. I won't say what Maddie's quirks are. I'll let him speak to that. I mean, I know my quirks. So... I know I'm like sort of the person who likes to go out. I'm way more introverted than Emily is. So like my working style is very much more like I'm going to go in a corner like by myself and like hunch over a desk and do things. And <laughs> she's very much like, no, let's treat this like a writer's room and we can collaborate and we can talk. And it's been great for me partnering with Emily because it's making me sort of come out of my show. Yeah. And I mean, I'd say because the show is it's about nice. us, you know, it's not... 
it's not like we have it's hard for us to transition from when we're working to when we're just hanging out because like honestly yes there's a third person on this call but there's a very real world in which the two of us are just sitting with a glass of wine and probably having this exact same conversation and when we're working Mm -hmm. that's kind of the deal so it transitions very organically it's just a matter of like whether or not we put a camera in the room yeah you play exaggerated versions of yourselves in the series and or the personas you exhibit in each episode closer to who you are in real life and did those quirks in any way manifest themselves in the characterizations that you played in them yeah, I mean, there definitely were exaggerated versions of ourselves, for sure. Um, we have to say this for all of the people in our lives that watch the <laughs> web series. Um, it's very yeah. important to me that my dad continues thinking that it's pure that we're fiction. Acting. Yeah, my uh, dad as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's I like, mean, you're not that garbage. Yeah, and I'm like, no, no never, not. obviously. It is certainly exaggerated. But I think largely it's exaggerated in just what we choose to show. Mm -hmm. So it's like these things have all happened. It's just a matter of like we're not going to show you us like holding down full-time jobs or me like having a successful merit. Like those things aren't interesting. So it's really just about choosing what we're showing more so than like hyping up the antics. Because like these things all do just happen. They're just sandwiched by the rest of our lives which yeah. are non-garbage and you know tell our dads that we're doing fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean in reality they are pretty close to just like how we are yeah. and it's like we picked out those certain traits and like each of us in to sort of moments, play out. yeah so it's like in this i'm like a lot more like pointed and we call it my scorpio moon but i'm a little bit more like antagonistic and yeah I'll say it bitchy. Um, (laughs) And like Emily's like attention seeking is like obviously like exaggerated and through the roof. But like to be clear, he is a bitch and I do need attention. (laughs) But (laughs) we focus on it probably more than we. We only have to dial to a seven in real life and we push it up to an 11 for garbage people. Yeah, for sure. And on that point, are the other characters presented in each episode also based on real people, or or all they, or are they also exaggerated versions of them? And, it's about the character. You know, I'd say the vast majority of characters are characters we just create mm-hmm. to push the storyline forward. Again, because of our pathological narcissism, like <laughs> the hostess <laughs> at the brunch restaurant in Fat Diners Association, like. I don't remember her. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't care about her, like, the real one. Yeah, they're an amalgamation of, like, all of these different types of people we've sort of interacted with. So it's, like, for the hostess, it was, like, a combination of, like, the blogger, like, type people that we've interacted, like, Instagram influencers, and I'll say it maybe one friend who got, like, really into her co-op. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> so those things were, like, inspired these characters. Yeah, exactly. So we take multiple different traits from multiple mm-hmm. different people, but, I mean, we don't have the balls to do a complete rip-off of a single person, because... Yeah, we need a couple, like, other friends, because, <laughs> like, we're not ready to just double down on it just being, like, me and Emily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Um, now, take me through the way you work on these stories and you break them and you put them together for when you go to produce them. How, how does your overall collaborative process work in terms of the storytelling? 
So we normally come up with a specific idea. So in real time, like honestly, over the course of our friendship, we will write down an idea. So for instance, this is not an episode that's produced yet, but something that Maddie and I talk a lot about is dick hunting at Trader Joe's. (laughs) Um, So like Maddie and I really like watching all the daddies with their like gym shorts and their dicks (laughs) walk out of Trader Joe's. So that's something where it's like Maddie will say to me, like, want to go dick hunting at Trader Joe's? And I'll write a little note in my phone. How many times can I say it? Saying dick hunting at Trader Joe's. (laughs) I have a counter going now. Yeah. And then I will generally go through. I'm also a stand up comedian. So I do this in my everyday life for, you know, my Mm -hmm. jokes as well. If I say something funny or I see something funny, I'll write it down. Um, So I'm sort of the scribe of our friendship and everyday lives. And I have two documents. I have the garbage people one and I have my stand-up one. And I go through it on a weekly basis and just put everything that we wrote down into a Google Mm -hmm. Doc. Um, And then basically, you know, we'll go through that together when the mood strikes. Yeah, like if we're having a sit-down, like right now, or like we're just in the same room, it's like Emily will be the nudge and she'll be like, hey, why don't we go through this Excel list that I made and sort of pick out what has legs? Like what can we sort of drag out into a full episode and then we'll generally sit in a room i'm generally the typer because i'm a psycho and i need to be i only type with my two index fingers so it's just slow yeah um we uh little name drop of the chromecast we normally project it onto my tv via chromecast (laughs) my assistant works for google (laughs) um Yeah, and I'll normally just type it out. And honestly, like, so much of what is written on the page are things that we've actually said. Mm -hmm. You know, if we need a joke, it's like, okay, at the end of this beat, we need a joke. I'll look back at that Excel doc, or I'll think back to something hilarious that Maddie said. Like, it's gotten to the point where, like, you know, if Maddie, Maddie can sit on the couch and I can honestly write what he would say and vice versa like we're we're so intertwined at this point that honestly either of us probably could write the script alone but we like doing it we like to collaborate yeah so um but like it's a very 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 quick Mm -hmm. process to get that script out because it's just you know it's really just a matter of establishing oh i should probably mention before we actually write the script we write the bones of the story so we write like okay, what is the story arc? Um, We do a story breakdown that, like, you would do for, like, a full-length sitcom because I think, honestly, it needs to have the same base story structure. Um, And then we'll sort of go from there once we map out those beats and then adding the flourishing finishes, the jokes, Mm -hmm. is, like, super easy. Um, And then once we have the script, uh, you know, we'll both sit with it individually for a bit and look back, make any changes we need to. Uh, once that's done, we'll send it over to Matt Strickland, our incredible director. He's amazing. He's amazing. We love him. Um, and he, we have outsourced a couple of producers as well to help us on an episode mm-hmm. by episode basis. Um, so generally we'll work with one of them to scout a location, scout extras, make a shooting schedule. Um, I would say, honestly, the biggest issue that we have in, uh, we would be churning these out on a daily basis if we could. The biggest issue is that both Maddie and our director, you know, have full-time jobs. And I, I'm i a stand-up comic, which, again, not as traditional, but, like, I have shows at night. Our schedules don't necessarily line up. Mm-hmm. 
So just finding days to shoot, finding, like, that's, that's honestly the, hard part. the hardest part. Like, we just sat down with our calendars and we were like, okay, the next day that all three of us are available is at the end of September. September. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I guess we're not having an episode for a while because we straight up can't film until then. So. Yeah, which is why we sort of tried to start doing some of these less scripted things that we can also shoot ourselves. So the third episode for season two, um, we decided, okay, why don't we do something a little different from sort of episodes one and two, which were very web-focused, very scripted, sort of you have those story arcs and do a dance class that's still about us. It's still our characters because we always are us. Um, we're stuck in us. We're, we're stuck in us and we don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we could still get some of that content out in between those times when we can't all like yeah. be in the same place to shoot. I'm. We'll send you a link, but I'm very happy with episode three. It'll be it. dropping in the next couple of weeks. And we basically just set up a tripod in a dance studio and we just took a class. Um, and honestly, I edited it and yeah. it was super easy. I mean, we both edited it. I just did the initial selects, but... Um, it was a little drop-dead gorgeous, like a little of that mockumentary, like mockumentary style. style. And it's it's a very different tone, but at the end of the day, when your you know director can't <laughs> see you for a month and a half, sometimes you got to drop some weird stuff. But I yeah. think it turned out really well. And like we were able to twist it, so it still had something. So episode three was really about like the garbage people wanting to become influencers. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like bit into the vein of like everything else that we're doing. Emily, I wanted to go back to what you mentioned about you being a stand-up comic. Does any of that material find its way into the episodes of Garbage People or and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, Maddie's very generous. Namely, that, like, if I write something down in the Garbage People notebook and I am like, that would be a great punchline for this joke that only I will get credit for, He's very cool with me stealing it for myself. I'm really okay being amused. <laughs> yeah, he's really okay being I'm amused. I'm really into that. It's a role he sits in very well. So he's very good about that and is very comfortable with that. Um, and I always think just honestly, when you spend this much time with every with someone, like it, kind of all of my solo work needs to be underwritten by Maddie in some degree. <laughs> Um, just because we do, like, my life is so heavily inspired by the time that we spend together and my friendship, especially my, you know, comedic time. Um, so yeah, so oftentimes if I have an idea, you know, I will first make it a stand-up joke, and then if it doesn't work as a stand-up joke, you know, I'll talk to Maddie about it and see if he would want to do an episode. You know, a lot of times it just doesn't have legs to carry a whole episode, so then it'll become you know, uh, I'll write a sketch and submit it to, you know, one of the, you know, sketch programs. I'll put it in a packet that I'm working on. Or I'll try and write, you know, a satire piece for The New Yorker. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many ways to move this material. And it's really just about finding out, you know, what is the best fit for that specific joke. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, a stand-up joke that I have recently that came from a garbage people thing. Um, I feel like the berries. The berries, yeah, berries. that's a great example. So berries one of my big stand-up jokes is basically, not going to do a type five, but like, <laughs> basically the concept of it is that like, I find it insane that people in my, li my life are starting to collect 
are starting to have fresh berries in their home because like the only reason that people don't think I'm homeless is because I have a purse and it's just like such a different lifestyle because berries are insane and they go bad in like eight hours and they cost $17 and it's insane and the joke is I feel about people that always have berries in their home the way that I used to feel about my friends who always had cocaine which is to say (laughs) that I super want you around, but you are probably pretty insufferable. <laughs> um, and like, no, was that punchline in the conversation with me and Maddie? No, because it's a very, it's a stand-up crafted punchline. But like, we almost had an episode about going to somebody's house and finding out that they were fresh berry people and just being like, like we don't they were very rich, here. like it's a were, very specific type of rich. It's a very specific <laughs> type of rich, and. It's true. Like, we did go to a friend's home. They had berries. We so thought it berries. was insane. Had, like, special berry holders on top of that. And it was like, okay, so, like, berries are just part of your life. Like, yeah, like, ha- somebody having berries as their lifestyle was definitely the idea for a full episode. But then we were like, okay, like, how many times can we really beat this joke? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, I just turned it into a stand-up joke. Maybe we'll still do an episode about it one day. I think we'll probably merge it with, like, we're, we're writing a bridal shower episode. I think it could fit in there. Um, but yeah, that's a good idea of like, that is something that we recognize fully together and fully in Mm -hmm. sync. Like we speak simultaneously on top of each other all the time. We're often getting to the same conclusion. (laughs) So it's not like I came up with this Barry idea or Maddie came up with this Barry idea. Like it's all very organic. Um, but yeah, that's a good idea of like that joke landed in a stand-up set, but I could see that joke being a sketch. I could see it being a garbage people mm-hmm. episode. I could see it being a satire piece. I like there are so many things I could do with that concept. That's just where it landed. Berries are so versatile. Berries are so, <laughs> so versatile. <laughs> Going back into the deeper roots of how garbage people came about, was there anything specifically or anyone specifically that inspired you to create the show and Overall, how did you guys come up with a concept for it? Um, yeah, so Matt Strickland, who directed this for a long time, and was just sort of like enamored with like how we banter and the fact that we do like talk over each other and we have this unique way of like talking and like thinking, but we never thought to like put it on to like a show or do anything with it. It should also be mentioned that we did do the column in college, we which did. was somewhat similar. Like when we started Garbage People, we said like garbage people is what happens when the drunkest girls at the party graduate from college yeah like it's not cute anymore in the same way not that it was really (laughs) cute in college but um (laughs) yeah like we had had this column in the school newspaper about our lives and yeah i mean it was less personal yeah we were very much writers the column wasn't as personal it wasn't like we did x y and z it was more like talking about campus life in our unique voice but Mm -hmm. we weren't strangers to the spotlight (laughs) um by any means and so our friend matt strickland had always wanted to videotape us Mm -hmm. and then um we were driving to washington dc and had a harrowing experience on like the jersey turnpike um we had pulled over for gas and me and emily were just starving so like we went into like the exxon mobile and like bought this like pizza and like it smelled like dog shit according to our friends 
Yeah, um, they wouldn't stop calling it. They were just like, get out of here with your dog shit, shit pizza. pizza. Um, so we ran in to like go to the bathroom and also get Burger King, mainly for the crowns. Yeah. And we come back out and the car's gone. So the two of us are convinced at this point that they just left us on the turnpike. Because they're like, we're not driving to D.C. with these two. Like, we're over it. Um, like, they're just disgusting. And like, they won't stop like filling yeah. my car with dog shit pizzas. And they're well, wearing Burger King ca- ca- crowns and like... Screaming, screaming bloody murder and like it's 9 a.m. and they seem blacked out we had not drank at all no, but we like had that. a lot of energy um so yeah we were we were literally sitting, sitting on the curbside in our burger king crowns eating our dog shit pizza and we were like this is a looked, show yeah we literally looked at each other and we're like we'd watch this we would watch this show like, yeah like i would super watch it and i think like something like not to get too like wax poetic on the metaphors of it all but <laughs> I think something that I really love about Garbage People and something that we talk a lot about is that we don't want the show to be aspirational. Like, yes, the core of storytelling is always like somebody's trying to get something and, you know, they Mm -hmm. fail and they learn something and whatever. But, you know, what we're trying to get, we try to keep, you know, very, very, very small scale. It's not about our search for love in the big city. It's not about our quest for fame. It's not about our, you know, goals to, you know, become more successful professionally like we are in very good spots in our lives it's really just a matter of like we just want to like maybe become fresh berry people we want (laughs) to you know that's one episode we want to take a dance class we want to like we want to keep it very you know we are who we are and this is just our lives yeah Um, strangely attainable and relatable yeah these are like our short-term things so this imagery of us just sort of sitting at this gas station and like what we do from there obviously the like all we wanted was to get to dc (laughs) yeah obviously i think seinfeld is a really great example of this and like the parking lot episode i think like all it always reminds me of the parking lot episode Mm -hmm. because i was like i just want to watch us like become friends with all the gas station men (laughs) and like i feel like i would start like a craps game in the Right. Like, I just feel like there's so many things that could happen in that gas station or parking lot <laughs> of the New Jersey Turnpike. Um, that, again, don't feed into some larger narrative of, like, Emily has a gay best friend because she can't find love. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, no, no. Like, that's not what's that's happening not it. here. <laughs> um, like, yeah, so. Yeah. And then we just texted Strickland as soon as they actually came back around and picked us up. They They just wanted to scare us. us. Oh, we should also note they had our phones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they came back and got us, and we immediately texted Matt Strickland being like, we want to make a show, let's do it. Yeah, we were like, our first episode involves us stuck on the Jersey Turnpike. Yeah. We realized it would be hard to film, um, because we're all based in New York. Maybe we'll do it one day. Someday, Yeah. yeah. And then we just spent the next two hours still screaming, but into our phones, ideas for how the episode would come to life yeah exactly <laughs> and they were really sad they did not leave us at that point yeah they were pretty, <laughs> they pretty were over it pretty over it <laughs> how has the production quality improved for season two compared to season one way better <laughs> like i'll say it's just like so much better like we ran an indiegogo which was like awesome so we were actually able to invest in like lights um a new camera we were able to sort of pay for some of these sets that we're using um extras editing software for us and like also just like more money put towards like the post-production yeah Um, like i was able to take some like light level editing intros and get some software so that like we can do things like the dance episode where you know strickland isn't necessarily available um yeah yeah just overall the quality just feels better and 
And we also were also scripted. more comfortable. Yeah, it was yeah. Like scripted, and we were more comfortable in front of the camera at that point because it was season one. Like that first pilot, it really was just all improv. Like, uh, yeah, it was literally like we got a little drunk and a camera showed up in my apartment. I know that that story generally ends very differently. I realize what I just said, but and the next thing I know it was a casting couch. Yeah, exactly. Like, I realize how that sounds, but yeah, I mean, honestly, season one was just like, yo, we have a general concept around like Maddie goes That's on a said. date. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Like it was just kind of like. Maddie went on a date recently. We want to see what happens there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this is much, much different. Much so, different. We really learned the value that, like, not every set has to be wet. Yeah, like, we, <laughs> I don't have to drink an entire bottle of wine in the background of the scene because yeah. it's, like, the script calls for it. <laughs> like, we could act a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, cranberry juice. Who would have thought? Yeah. Or berries. Sorry? <laughs> Or berries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who do you think would like to watch Garbage People? Um, our hope is everyone. Yeah. Um, but we really did make it for people women. who, like, are for us. Yeah, like, women. LGBTQ+, yeah. uh, POC, fat communities. Um, like, body positivity and fat representation in media is something that's very important to both, both of us. Of um, and having just real-life stories that speak to the fat experience without beating over the head, like, get it? She's fat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like life is so hard because she's fat. Like, right. I just feel like we never really see characters that are just fat where their fatness is... They're fat and happy. Like, Yeah, like, we're fat and happy. Depression. We're not trying to lose weight. We're not trying to, like you know, be accepted by the man. Like, it's just kind of like, no, like, it's all fine, but, like, there are systemic inequalities facing fat people um, that we want to highlight, but those aren't the story drivers. The story drivers are, like, this bitch has berries, you know? And if it's, like, we can tell that this bitch is a bit judgmental about our weight, you know, that's that's a line, that's a joke, that's a highlight. That's not that we went to our friend's apartment and they, like we're bitchy to us because of our weight. You know, like, that's... Because that's not what it's like in real life. Yeah. You know, your life doesn't revolve around the fact that you're queer or the fact that you're brown or the fact that you're fat or, like, your life is not There's those so descriptors. And you don't want your life to be those descriptors. It's like, yeah, that's a part of me. It's a part of what informs me and how I move through the world. But it's just so sad and depressing when that's the only thing people see and it's the only thing that they want to show. Yeah. Um, so we made it for. We're like not going to call people. out any specific shows, but no. there have been some <laughs> fat-focused shows that we feel have done a pretty intense job of beating it over the head, mm-hmm. beating you over the head with, you know, get it? She's fat. It's hard, you know. And but it's she's like, still thriving. Yeah, like, like that's yeah. That we we just wanted to come at it with a little bit more of a subtle perspective. Yeah. And, and doing so, you both portray those communities in a very realistic fashion. That's something to be truly commended. Yeah, I mean, and just that, like, we are those communities, you know? Yeah, and, like, I mean, we consume media, like, 24-7, and we've done it our whole lives, and sort of going back to, like, why we created Garbage People, too, it was because we didn't see people like us being represented in a way that we felt was truthful. Like, some shows, like, they get almost there, but then you have that sad episode where all of a sudden they're depressed because 
oh, they're queer or they're black or if they are queer, it's like just all about the fact that like, oh, they're dating monsters and all they think about is sex. And it's like, no, you can have a queer person who isn't driven just by that. Yeah. And that shouldn't be like the storyline. I think it also, I mean, it bears mentioning that like, we feel very strongly that we do not want any romantic drivers on our show at any point. Um, the probably most romantic episode we will have is Dick Hunting and Trader Joe's. And, like, it's, you know, I think, like, the focus on romance as being more important or more valuable than friendships just doesn't sit that well with us. A show that we think does a really good job of this is, like, absolutely fabulous. So Um, Golden Girls, obviously, but they have, like, some romantic They have Blanche. They got some Blanche. (laughs) Um, They need Blanche, though. But, like, you know, like... We find our friendship, like, it's almost like we're, like, the friend equivalent of Mad About You. (laughs) But it's just kind of, like, it is just about our relationship and that's just kind of it. Finally, what do you hope people get out of watching Garbage People? Laughs. Number one, we just want to make people laugh. Like, 100%, (laughs) that is our primary motivator. Yeah. And I guess also just we hope, I don't know, that you see something different. You see, can, like, two fat, happy people, and, like, also the fact that, like, friendships are so important, I think, what we hope people take away from this is the fact that, like, there's all these relationships that you sort of have that are outside of that romantic thing that we sort of talked about, and that's something we were really excited to do with Garbage People, Yeah. To sort of explore all of those other ones that are really so important to your life, but that we don't oftentimes value as much. Yeah. So maybe they'll walk away from it and be like, oh my god, my best friend is, like, so important to me. Like, I need to treat him or her better. Yeah. Like, I need to put more value on that versus, like, going on Tinder and swiping, swiping, swiping to find my soulmate because your friend can also be a soulmate. Yeah. Aww. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, Emily, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the Viewfinder podcast to talk about garbage people. Congratulations once again on the show. I look forward to seeing the next couple of episodes, which people can watch every month on YouTube. And again, you've done a great job, not just of portraying your friendship in a comedic fashion, but also accurately portraying the plus size and LGBTQ community through the show. You really have done such an exemplary job with that. And that's totally something to be commended. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. I know. And thank you for letting us talk. Yeah, no, we love to <laughs> we talk. Love it. Yeah, we're very attention seeking. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks, thanks so much, Chris. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. My thanks to Emily Duke and Matthew Scott, co stars and co creators of the YouTube comedy series Garbage People, for coming on today's show. Follow the Viewfinder Podcast on Twitter at ViewfinderPod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash theviewfinderpodcast. Be sure to leave a review of the show on iTunes, and please invite your friends to listen. I'm Chris Hadley. Thanks for listening.